0: Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Well, hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in again to The Portable Pastor. This is Mike Stafford, The Portable Pastor, coming to you from a beautiful Clover, South Carolina, Blue Eagle office, ready to look at God's Word with you. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 today. We're still looking at the Sermon on the Mount, but we're out of Matthew chapter 5. We've been there almost all year long. We took our time, we took a deep dive, and looked at every single word in all of the verses. And so... We're coming to Matthew chapter 6 now, and when when we when, we're, when we read this portion of Jesus' sermon, we're going to see uh, again Jesus is still making uh, righteous points while referring to those Pharisees as examples of of the opposite of what he's trying to say. We've learned from his preaching about anger and lust of the flesh and divorce, we've talked about making promises and getting revenge and loving your enemies all of these all of these were illustrated by Christ with the wrong teachings of the Pharisees now Jesus is going to correct another another misstep by the Pharisees and this time it's going to be giving to giving to the needy now while the other topics were were problems with the teachings of the religious leaders this one's about the practice of those leaders those men those men those they were the most arrogant selfish people on the planet. They really gave the wrong image of God. And this teaching, this teaching is, is going to prove that. So Jesus talks about giving to the needy and all they, although they, they did, they, they indeed did do this. They made sure everyone knew about it so they could get the recognition for, for doing these things. It was a big show in which, you know, they were stars. They were the heroes. Their generosity, though, was nothing more than a pub publicity stunt. Now, now we know that we're to be generous, right? We already know this. The Bible teaches us to do this. The benefits of it are sprinkled all through the book of Proverbs. When we read Proverbs, you know, we can start at the beginning, but Proverbs 11:24 and 25 says, "One, you know, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer; another withholds what he should give and only suffers want." Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. And then we skip down to Proverbs 19:17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. A little bit further, Proverbs twenty one thirteen, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. And then Proverbs twenty two nine Whosoever has a bountiful eye a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. So all of these all of these tell us that we are to be generous. It's just the best way to be. But, but the actual law, the one that drove the Pharisees more than, than anything else, is the one that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 15. This is what the Pharisees based their giving on. Listen to this. "'If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother.'" But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. So this was the primary verse that that drove the Pharisees to do their version of of uh, generosity. Right? It, it was the only direct compulsion for them, really, and they were only generous because of the law. This is how they gave. They were they were benevolent to the Jews and only the Jews, because that's what the law says. They were benevolent only to the extremely poor. They didn't give to anyone else. They did it in such a way as to, to elevate themselves. They, they gave the minimum, make sure that everyone was watching so that they would be elevated. And they, and they made sure that everyone knew what, that they were keeping the law. They were deserving of, of the glory of giving and being righteous. Okay. That was, that was their motive. And Jesus called them on this in this teaching in Matthew chapter six. Now, when we read this, we're going to realize that Jesus mentions two kinds of generosity in this teaching two kinds overt and covert generosity overt and covert generosity overt generosity is the generosity that's obvious you know it's seeable it's done in the most public way available it's a self-centered in the open look at me type of generosity the goal of of overt generosity is neither to help the needy no, nor to please God. It, it's not about God or the needy. It's it's actually about the giver. It's a way in which people seek an immediate reward for their benevolence. Well, what is what is that reward? What what are they seeking? A couple of things. They're they're looking for respect and notoriety, respect for being pious and notoriety for being able to afford to give to the poor. Overt generosity is most often sinful. I'll explain that. Use the phrase most often in a bit the other type of generosity is covert generosity it's the opposite it's 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 done in secrecy it's an other centered secret ninja-like generosity remember the love ninja project from a few years ago that we did uh well maybe if if you're not at our church you have no idea what i'm talking about but we we took these uh, had some cards made up and says you were loved by the love ninja and we did these random acts of kindness and just left a card for those folks to to find it and that was that was just a fun way to practice covert generosity so those who who practice giving in this way they they expect nothing in return from anyone from me especially any man they understand that blessings are from the lord and he can choose to reward you know that generosity. If if he wants to, covert generosity is is a preferred giving method in this scripture. So the two types of generosity are overt and covert. Keep that in mind when we look at the sermon point today. Beginning with verse one, you're going to notice that overt generosity can be a problem. I alluded to that earlier by saying that overt giving is most often most often sinful. I, I, now I say it, it can be, it can be a problem. I say this because there are times when, when we give and, and others are going to know about it. All right. So th- this is usually a, a teaching situation. You know, we, we teach our children to be givers. So we model that before them. Sometimes giving is done in public because there's no other way to, to, uh, to help the needy or to give to the church. Maybe your generosity was expressed in a, in a special offering at church, like, you know, like the Lottie Moon offering or something when, you know, when you take your offering down to the front, we have a Lottie Moon march in, in our church, but we are to do our best to make it Make it ninja-like, you know, uh, secret. Sometimes it's just impossible, but we do our best. So, so again, I say, overt generosity can be a problem; it can be, and usually is sinful. However, Jesus is going to preach uh, uh, against overt generosity because it usually stems from from wrong motives, right? So, let's look at verse one. Behave, be- beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you shall have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So what did Jesus teach about this overt generosity? Well, first, he, he mentions the, the stimulus of overt generosity, right? What, what drives this act? What is the motivation? What, what stimulates someone to give this way? Well, we've already mentioned it's to be pious and, and, and to show that we're rich. <laughs> what did Jesus say? People who give this way do it in order to be seen by them. They want to be seen as generous more than, than being generous. Do you know anyone like that? that likes to be seen doing good. They announce it. They talk about it all the time. You know that, did you see that? I just gave that beggar a water. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm so righteous. It is good to be me. Don't you just want to be me? By the way, I noticed you didn't offer your water, you sinner. Okay, so this is the way they think. And so the stimulus of over generosity, like like the stimulus checks before COVID, have a little, very little long-term Effect they they are given at at a minimum and they they help no one in the long run. So sure that that water bottle that was given was nice, but when the needy person finishes it, they're still going to be in the heat of the day, still begging for food. So overt generosity is driven by personal gain by by the want for notoriety for bragging rights. It's narcissism to the core, right? So it it's definitely not the preferred way to be. Uh, to be practicing generosity. Then Jesus mentions the sentence of overt generosity. What did he say in verse one, the second part? You will have no reward from your he from your father who is in heaven. Now, now hear clear, here, hear Jesus clearly right here, okay? God will not repay overt generosity. He's not gonna do it. God values selfish acts. I, I, I'm sorry. God values selfless acts, not personal aspirations of of fame and glory listen god can, god can and he will often use the believer who is humble and sits in the back more than the one who strives to be up front and noticed okay now a lot of baptists have taken that to mean that they should sit on the back robe that's not what i'm talking about okay we, we don't need a lot of back row baptists we need people in the game so simply god values selflessness Philippians 2.3 teaches, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's pretty pretty clear right there. But if that's not enough, James 3.21 says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. He called selfish ambition vile. God, God will never bless a vile practice. He's not going to do it. The sentence for overt generosity is nothing in return from God. That's that's the stimulus. That's the sentence for overt generosity. Now Jesus is going to mention the sound of overt generosity. He says in verse 2, sound no trumpet. That that reminds me of what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a, a noisy gong. I'm a clanging Clanging cymbal. <laughs> Overt generosity is just, it's just annoying. It's annoying to believers. It's annoying to the lost. It can really get on your nerves. It It's, it's, it's just ambient, offensive noise to believers because, because it's against what Jesus said. It's a spiritual turnoff. It, it's like the overhead speakers at, at the It's a Small World ride in Disney. You remember that song? You get on that little log. Little rock, you get in a little boat and go through there, and it's a small world after all. You know, it's just so annoying. We got stuck in there, and we had to listen to that for about thirty minutes. Oh, it it was horrible. So, so likewise, people who 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 announce that they're giving, who talk about their giving, it can be equally as 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 offensive. Just just ambient noise to the max. But to the lost, it, it can be annoyance too. But it's for a different reason, but it can be annoying to them too. When some people give, they do so to even elevate themselves above everyone else that sees them. Okay. It makes that lost onlooker jealous or angry or even envious that they didn't think of at first. You know, they say stuff like, man, they got all the glory. Okay, so the sound of of overt generosity is, is just displeasing to everyone. So Jesus addresses the wrong motive. He he addresses the lack of ongoing effectiveness and the annoyance of overt generosity. Right? Then he mentions the temporary reward for overt, for overt generosity. This is similar to a previous point that he made, but it's different in in the outcome, right? Just as the stimulus doesn't help the needy person in the long run, the reward for the, for the giver, for that type of generosity is minimal. It's minimal too. And and he may get noticed, but I mean, we know all fame, all notoriety among humans, it, it must be sustained or, or, It's going to be lost. You can't keep it if you don't keep building on it. So that's why a lot of famous people do ridiculous things, to keep the spotlight on them. You know it? You've seen them. They wear ridiculous clothing. They make stupid remarks, and they, they do crazy things to stay in the limelight. But eventually, that goes away, too. So the benefit to the person practicing overt generosity, just to be seen, that is short-lived. It's very short-lived. it will buy them some street cred for a moment, but then it's gone. There is at best, at best, a temporary reward for overt generosity. So Jesus condemns overt giving, especially Uh, you know, uh, that giving of the Pharisees, he verbally smacks them again for this teaching, this practice before the Israelites. And, And then he goes on to talk about the preferred method, covert giving. Now, covert generosity is the correct practice. Look at verses three and four. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, what did Jesus teach about covert generosity? Well, he taught that that you know, there's an expectation of covert generosity. He said, when you give to the needy, not if, when. There's an expectation of Jesus's followers to be generous. So, so we are, we, we give to the church, we give to missions, we give to the needy because we're expected to be givers. We're generous, we're thankful for what God's blessed us with and we want to share that. The weird thing about the practice of giving generously is that that type of giving moves you from, from trust, from, from having to belonging. Let, let, me, let me explain. When, when you have and hold on to your resources, you begin to trust in those resources to sustain you. You know this is right, and that's why broke, lost people are so depressed. They have no assurance for the future. They don't know that a, uh, another blessing's coming. When Christians following this teaching by Christ adopt us, uh, adopt a practice of, of covert generosity, some of those resources go away, right? So it helps you move your trust from those resources to something else, and that something else is God. You begin to live with the assurance that only He can truly sustain your life. This is why God commands his own, those who follow him, to be covertly generous. There's, there's a peace. There's a peace knowing that God will sustain you. After all, he's eternal. Your resources are not. They dry up. This is the reason God said of, of giving in general or, or to the mission of the church in Malachi 3.10. This is what he says bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That's future thinking. And therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So there's this expectation of generosity by Jesus, you know, that's that's in his followers. Secondly, Jesus mentions the secrecy of covert generosity, okay? There's a secrecy here. He says, "Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing." Well, I mean, is that even possible? That that actually makes no sense. No sense if you take that literally. How can the hand see or know anything? It doesn't have eyes. It doesn't have a mind. If my hands did, they would slap each other trying to get the last donut. I understand that. And one one time, I saw uh, Harry Connick Jr. in concert. He he showed off his skills before the whole crowd he was playing one piano but he was playing two different songs in different keys with different tempos at the same time on the same piano one with his left hand one with his right it was it was amazing it was mind-blowing so i guess it is possible but jesus is not talking about your literal hands right he's he's making a point of secrecy in generosity don't let anyone know that you are are the one doing the giving don't let them know this. Why? why? Why would he say this? Well, think about it, Christian. Do, do you really want them to thank you or to thank God? Really, really, Christian, who, who do you want to get the credit? It really is that simple. Are, are you giving to steal God's glory? If so, God's not going to put up with that. Jesus is warning them. What did he say about his glory? In Isaiah 42, 8, God said, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. If you want to be the, the recipient uh, of the blessings of, of your generosity, then you better give this right. You better give it right. If you give receiving the glory that's due to God, that those blessings are going to be short-lived. In fact, you're probably going to end up on the wrong end of the discipline stick. You, you are. So keep your generosity secret. Let God get the glory. So Jesus taught the expectations of covert generosity. He talked about the secrecy of covert generosity. Now he's going to turn his attention to the reward of covert generosity. The end of verse four says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So there's an obvious reward for covert generosity. There has to be. Well, what is it? I don't know. Seriously, I I don't know. I remind you of one of the verses that I, I started with in in Proverbs 11:24 and 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer; another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. <laughs> That's it. Enrichment and watering. <laughs> what what a blessing. Well, there's some sort of enrichment in your life. It, maybe it's money, maybe it's health, maybe it's peace. I, I don't know. I don't know what the enrichment is. I don't know for sure, but I do know this. According to that verse, your life will be enriched in some way, but it'll also be watered according to that verse. Now, my garden loves water in the summer. A few things, uh, points that I, I would just make about watering the garden, the, the plants have to have it. They depend on the one doing the watering. The plants give give me back vegetables. And I give it to the gardener, and, and, and until they die, right? The garden is is telling of the goodness and the faithfulness of the one who waters it. Now let's make the analogies. God will will water those who give water. He will he will meet your most basic needs. If you practice covert generosity, he will sustain your life until the end of it. He's going to make you fruitful, and the fruits of your righteousness will bring him glory. Not you. And catch this, even if there were even if there were no rewards for covert generosity, now there are, because Jesus just said it. But let's just say that they never come. Even if there are no rewards in return for covert generosity, you will be able to say like John in, in John chapter three, verse twenty-nine and thirty, therefore this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Listen, if there's no other reward, there is joy knowing that God got the glory for your covert generosity. That's huge. Let, let, let me, let me say this, just, just wrap it up this way, okay? You, you'll never know the joy of covert generosity until you begin to practice covert generosity. Did you catch that? You're never going to know the joy of it until you begin to practice it. And, and it, it will never make sense to you. It will only be a strange teaching of Jesus until you submit to that practice. And if you do, if you become a covert, generous giver, you can be assured that you will have the satisfaction of being a follower, a follower who lived up to the expectation of God. You will will have the the experience of joy of being a covert giving and watching God get the, the glory. And, and, and you will be rewarded in some way at some point in your life. You will be rewarded. That's what Jesus taught. Now, the question is, how will you respond? How will you respond? You're going to respond like the, the Pharisees and start doing it just because God said to do it? But stealing the glory of God, wanting the notoriety and the fame and wanting to be a religious person, or are you going to truly let loose, let God receive all the glory, do it as secrecy, in as much secrecy as, as you can, and let God, you know, glean all of the glory for all of that. That's the best way. I encourage you to do that. Well, I hope that clears some things up for you as far as, as giving, and I hope that that you begin to to utilize this practice, this this practice to show the goodness and the glory of God. That's what people need to see most. I mean, they're going to enjoy your 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 gift; that they, they they need it, so they're going to use it. But they're going to enjoy God's blessing most of all when He receives the glory. Well, let me pray for you, and I'm going to cut you loose today. So, Father, I thank you for the chance to look at your word, and I thank you that you bless us with, with eternal riches, but also blessings right here on this earth that we can share with one another. Father, help us to do that for your glory alone. Help us to do it in secrecy, to not even let our right hand know what our, right, our left hand's doing, but to to do that in secrecy, to receive nothing uh, in as far as notoriety or, or fame or recognition. But all of that will go to you. All of that will go to you, God. Help us burn that in our brains today in Christ's name. Amen. Again, thanks for tuning in again today. Hope you come back next week. We'll have another teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. But until then, be blessed. Have a great week. If you want to start an online conversation, email me at mike at fbcclover.com. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and pray with you about some things. Let's grow together. Well, have a great week. And remember, if you're walking with God, if you are, are walking step for step with God, He is very much pro-you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, Be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.